And when I didn't become a professional basketball player, I was like a little lost. Like, you know, that was my identity my whole life. That's what I thought I was going to be. And I went to grad school and I was like, what can I do now? And I thought, my dad always thought I was going to be a runner. Like, let's try that. Even though I could not stand running. And so that's why I initially started running. And I think why I continue to do it is for a lot of reasons. I think in the running community, it's getting better, but like seeing more diverse people and women and women of color, I think is an amazing thing. And I want to help grow that. I have three young nieces that I'm like so excited to see me run at the trials and I run for them. And I run for myself too. I struggle with like mental health and depression and anxiety and things like that. And running helps me with that. And that's why I go out and do it every day. And, and I want to see how, how good I can be. Welcome to For the Long Run. We explore the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated, and how they've been able to achieve sustainable excellence. From Olympians to ultramarathoners and business owners, from the back of the pack and all the way to the front, we believe in creating community and expanding the running world for all. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt, and we're so glad you're here. We are proud to announce the newest sponsor of the podcast, Scratch Labs. Scratch Labs is a local Boulder-based sports nutrition brand known not just for their awesome sports nutrition products, but for their love of science and the community. I'll share a bit more about their products and how I use them. But for now, thank you to Scratch for supporting the podcast. Scratch will be a partner of the podcast this summer. And as always, supporting the brands that support the podcast helps to keep this machine rolling. You can use the code FTLR20 for 20% off all Scratch products through their website via the link in the show notes. You all know that I only work with brands that I can fully stand behind. And this episode of the show is brought to you by a brand that I'm proud to be partnered with, Wazelle. We all know brands who say they care about doing the right thing, but Wazelle, they actually do the right thing. In their brand mission, it says, no matter where you live, your pace, or your personal relationship to the sport, you belong here. And they really mean it. Since 2007, they've been working hard to create great running apparel for women. But more than that, create a better and more welcoming community for all folks to help feel like they belong. Not only are they creating more community spaces, but they're also supporting seemingly overlooked athletes in the sport too. With the Year of the Underbird campaign, they've taken a group of marathon runners and decided to sponsor them to get to the Olympic marathon trials. They're working hard to amplify women's voices in the sport that we all love so much so that they can help pay that love forward. You can learn more about the Year of the Underbird at the link in our show notes. And one of the best ways to show what you are about is by where you invest your dollars. So if you want to support women in running, whether for yourself or for a runner in your life, I highly recommend grabbing some Wazelle gear. You can use the code FTLR for a one-time 10% discount on your order on their website. Thank you to Wazelle for being such a positive force in our community. You know that a big part of my life is optimization. I optimize for time, optimize for efficiency, and try to always optimize for my health and training. That's why I'm so excited to welcome our newest brand partner, Tubefore. But what's Tubefore? They're a natural sports nutrition supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. These are the most researched berries in the world, and those studies are showing that these berries have exceptionally high antioxidant levels, and they're proven to enhance athletic performance. That's going to be a hell yes from me. These wonder berries, which is what I'm starting to call them, improve endurance, help kickstart recovery, and strengthen immunity. What athlete doesn't want all of that? So how can you use these in your daily routine? I take a serving before every single run. So go ahead and try out some two before. The code FTLR will save you 30% on 20, 10, and multi-serve packs. And remember that supporting our brand partners helps to support the podcast as well. 
That's twobefore.com, number two before.com and code FTLR. Will you be at the running event, also known as TRE? We'll be hosting a panel in partnership with Puma to discuss dealing with setbacks with some of the fastest humans on the planet. On Thursday, November 30th, from 11.15 to 11.45, we'll be hosting Molly Seidel, Rory Linkletter, Andre DeGrasse, Natosha Rogers, and Fiona O'Keefe at the TRE Training Camp Theater for a conversation about how to move through hard moments, deal with self-doubt, and overcome life's many obstacles to achieve your goals. If you're in town for the event, you won't want to miss this conversation. Mark it on your calendar, and we hope to see you there. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to ask a quick favor. If this show means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you could do any or all of a few things. Review the show on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, share with your friends in person or on social. These small actions go a long way in keeping this show and community going for the long run. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back. We have Ari Hendricks Rhodes joining on the podcast today. Ari, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. No, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. I've uh, listened to your podcast, so I'm excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, then maybe you know what the first question is. Uh, who is Ari? Um, who am I? I'm a wear test analyst for Hoka. I'm a twin, um, a fiance, and I'm a 235 marathoner. <laughs> nice. And uh, this conversation is coming to you with the support of Wazell. Uh, Ari is a part of the Underbird program and the second athlete of five that we're having on ahead of the Olympic trials, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, so 235 marathon, that's pretty speedy. Um, <laughs> do you remember your first run? So dialing it back a few years. Um, gosh, I started running when I was uh, in grad school. Um, after my like college basketball career ended. So I can't really, I can't remember like my first run. Um, my first marathon was a three fifty seven, and my goal was just to not walk. So that's pretty like ingrained in my mind. <laughs> it's like almost a 90 minute drop in time. What, what did that look like over the years? How many years did that take? Uh, so I qualified for the trials in 2022. So yeah, just like about 10 years nine to 10 years. Um, And it was kind of like a steady progression. I'd say from like my first marathon to my second was a really big jump. Um, I guess I went from 357 to like 332 or like whatever qualifying for Boston was for my age at that time. And then, yeah, I just kind of like chipped away every year at the time. So I think it's not as like, it's taken a while. It's a big jump progressively, but like yeah, it's taken a while to get here. And I never thought that I would. So it's exciting. Well, I'm glad you didn't say like, oh, it was like six months. Because <laughs> that doesn't make, it doesn't make for as fun of a story as uh, or or as a relatable of a story. Yeah, right. Uh, my first marathon was the 214. Um, just kidding. Um, okay, so so 10, 10 years, mm-hmm. you ran the 357, you ran the 330 something that qualified you for Boston. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start to think like, hey, maybe there's more that I can do? 
and and the reason I ask this, and the whole reason I have this podcast is I'm so fascinated by this experience of getting better and progress. And and most people listening can't fathom running a 235, but they can and do associate with the desire to get better. I, I imagine most might. So that's that's where I'm sort of framing this from, or that's why I'm interested in these types of conversations. Because while most people aren't going to run 235, you have takeaways and lessons that you know along the way to do that um, are super relatable. So what did that? What did the first glimpse of, hey, maybe there's something more look like, and how did you put that into action? Um, I mean, I guess it was kind of after my first marathon, um, as kind of like typical first marathon. I was like, in the marathon, I'll never do this again. <laughs> but by the end, I was like, let's sign up for the next one. And from there, it kind of like, I've been an athlete all my life. I haven't been a runner all my life. Um, I've only been a runner for 10 years. But so I didn't know like about the Boston Marathon or qualifying for that when I first started running. And after I ran my first one, I sort of like learned about that. And I was like, oh, that would be like a good next goal. Um, so that was like my next goal for my next marathon, which is the LA Marathon. I was like, okay, let's run, let's try and run a Boston qualifying time. Um, and then from there, it was like, what would make sense for like the next goal? I'm always kind of trying like to set myself up for like to reach something. Um, and from Boston, it became breaking three hours. And then at the time, the OTQ was 2.45. So that then that became my next goal. So it was just kind of searching for what was next and like what was exciting to me in running and like what I could sort of do. Nothing seemed crazy to me at the time. I don't, I didn't like look at any of those and say, wow, that's like kind of like, I don't think I can do that. It was kind of like, let's just chip away and see what happens. And eventually I would get a coach and that would sort of change the dynamic of my training and bring somebody else in with like thoughts and ideas about what was achievable. So yeah, just kind of like trying to find a goal after every sort of race. So the, the consistent moving of goalposts for some, they find that to be hard. And for others, they're super motivated by it. Talk to me about how, or for you, has it been process? Has it been outcome? Some combination of the both that that keeps you focused and engaged? I think it's both. I like the process of training. Um, I like seeing faster training segments, different workouts, um, doing different things in my training to try and get faster to reach those goals. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love achieving them. I think obviously up until now, qualifying for the trials is the biggest one that I've had in running. Um, but it's something that I've also tried to do in 2020 and couldn't. Um, so it, I didn't get deterred by the time getting faster or any of that. It was kind of just like, okay, I'm going to try. Like I may not do it. it. It may not be something that I can do, but like, I'm still going to try and I'll keep trying. Um, thankfully I only had to only had to run CIM to like qualify, but yeah, I was fully prepared. Like if I didn't get it at CIM to like turn around in the spring and do something else. So yeah. <laughs> How do you find, or where do you find that tenacity or, or approach showing up in other aspects of your life? Um, I work a lot, probably too much. So I think I'm like driven just in a lot of ways. Um, I'm a coach and I work for Hoka. So that takes a lot of time and I try and be the best that I can at both of those things. Um, but I think it like stems from me being a kid and being an, a, an athlete and like playing basketball since I was in the fourth grade and wanting to be the best at that and playing in boys leagues and sort of not 
letting anybody tell me that I couldn't do anything or that I wasn't good enough to do something. So I think it's been something that like I've sort of done all of my life. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's hard work. It, some days are harder than others and it's not always easy, but I, I like to be driven and go after big goals. So, What was it like being in that massive pack at CIM? I just saw like, so <laughs> many videos and I, I ran it last year and like the three hour group was massive. Um, so I can only imagine the the OTQ group the year from the year prior. It was pretty like wild. I remember like being on the starting line and my goal, like my plan was to go out at 555. And that was like what I was going to do. I didn't, I wasn't going to run with any of the pace groups. When we were on the starting line, they announced there was six pace groups for the women's OTQ. And I'm just like, holy smokes, that's a lot. It was like one group going out faster than OTQ pace one group going out slower than OTQ pace and they were going to like work their way down an even pace group. And I was kind of, I just didn't want to get sucked into it really. Cause I'd done that at Houston in 2020, I'd run with an OTQ group and it was like chaos and people were like falling and bibs were coming off and it was like nuts. Um, so I kind of just like stuck to my own like pace and plan. And then at like mile, I'd say like three or four, I was living in Detroit at the time and I knew and knew some of the women on the Hanson's team. Um, and we had, we all know of each other and like knew what everyone's goals were. And they were kind of just like, yeah, just jump in with us. Um, and I know that how, how their system works, they're going to run 555 for the whole race. Um, so I could like trust in that. And we just, we literally ran all together and probably until mile like 21, 20 or 21, um, just like, not, not talking a whole lot, but just like grinding it out. And like, it was amazing. So I ended up running with that group, but yeah, the OTQ group I was definitely like aware of, but trying to kind of avoid <laughs> for sure. That silent, but hardworking experience of like, you're running shoulder to shoulder with someone working hard, breathing hard, but like, there's so much mm -hmm. work ahead so I, I live here in Boulder and there are tons of groups that run up in the on the dirt roads of North Boulder. And so I often find myself in, in groups and in groups doing work. And there's just so much beauty in that like collective mm -hmm. suffering. And like the the silence or the sound of like when when you only can hear the foot strikes. It's like the the best sound in sports besides for the whir of a Peloton, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, just that like silent grinding. Um, so you, you made it through 21 with the group. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always curious of what is it like when, when things get real hard, but you're in that group and you're doing it together. How do you... How do you push each other? How do you pick each other up when somebody might start to, to slip? Um, I mean, there wasn't a, a ton of talking. I mean, they talked amongst themselves in terms of like, they were a team and like, they had like a strategy and things like that. But like, sure, some of them fell off like seven at mile 17, some dropped off. Um, I would say like at mile 20 to 21, there was like three of us left. It was me, Megan and Stephanie. And Megan sort of like went and I was like, good for her. Like, have at it. Like, I'm not in a position to do that. Um, and I think like the only thing I said, other than like at the beginning of the race, when I was like, cool, I'll like join you guys. And they had invited me was Stephanie needed to get a bottle. And cause I didn't have, uh, elite bottles at CIM and she was on like the opposite side of me. So like she would have to go across the road. And all I said to her was like, Hey, don't you need that bottle? 
And she was like, oh my God, yeah. And like went and got it. And then then I left her. And so that like separated us. But like, it wasn't like um, anything like a like defeatingly getting dropped or anything like that, which was nice. It was kind of like, okay, this is like the hardest part of the marathon. And we're all just kind of trying to do our own thing to get to the finish line. So Megan went amazing for her. She finished. Then I just kept going. And then Stephanie came in a little bit after me. Um, and we like congratulated each other and like were super stoked. But there wasn't a ton of like talking other than that, which like I was totally fine with. I think we were all so focused on like just hitting the pace, staying together. No one, everyone's, we all have a collective goal, which was nice um, that we all understood that too. So we were all fine to just like run in a pack and work together without having to like talk a whole lot and do a whole lot. An introvert's dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so a lot of people will say that they learned a lot from races that go poorly. Um, mm-hmm. What about this race that went well? What did What did you learn from that? I mean, I think I learned a lot mostly in my training um, and like what works for me in terms of like mileage and doing just a lot of work at marathon pace. I did a lot of work at 555 just to like really know what that pace was. I did a lot of like long runs, which I hadn't done um, in the, that spring when I ran Bayshore. So just, I did a speed segment before it also. So yeah, I think I learned a lot about myself in training. I don't, I think in the race, I learned how to like just stay calm and within myself and like know what my overall goal was and like what the pace was that I was and I wasn't going to be influenced by anything else sort of happening, like, like the OTQ group, I didn't like go with the group that was going faster or try and run with a 555 group either. Um, I just wanted to like sort of stay. I trusted Hanson. I know those, those women, they're amazing. I had no problems like running with them. I certainly knew what they were going to do. Um, so yeah, sort of like just trusting my instincts and like what I needed to do on the day. The first thing I learned about running when I moved to Boulder or like the big thing that I learned first about running um, I started running with a group called Boulder Underground and there were a lot of women in the OTQ range up through like 255. And so I was running with this group and we'd go out running like 8.30 pace to start <laughs> and just like really settle into the first five, six, eight miles. And then we'd finish all these runs at like 6.30. <laughs> and I'd finish these runs of like 12 to 18 miles faster than I could have imagined starting it, but feeling amazing at the end. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, if you, if you truly trust the, like trust your fitness and ease into things, Mm -hmm. like you can feel really awesome while running really fast. It's like, we had like a 70 minute warm up, and then, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like another hour and a half of, of crew up to another hour and a half of cruising. And I kept doing this week after week after week. And I was like, what is happening? And <laughs> my coach was like, um, yeah, power in, power in the groups, power in it. But like, look mm-hmm. at how you're starting and look at how you're easing into it and trusting your fitness and like being carried by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that this like herd or like group effort to be so powerful. And um, I try and use that to you know, get the most out of myself. And it's cool to hear um, similarly, but different your experience with working, working with a pack or working together. And for those who are listening, like if you've not tried this in a race, 
Like find find people around you and work off of them. And you don't even need to talk, like Ari said. <laughs> uh, just like suffer together. It's it's good stuff. Yeah. Um that was like, yeah, they were the that was the first pack I'd ever run with in a race. Like previous to that, I had always been like super nervous about it. I tried it in Houston and it didn't work out. Um, but it's, it was nice to know that I could that I, I trusted those women and like they trusted me too. Like I'm not I'm not a part of the Hansons group. Like they certainly didn't have to be like, hey, come run with us. Um, so it was really cool to get to do that with them. Awesome. One of the things I like hearing about from runners and people who run a lot is why they do it and like why do we do hard things. So I I spent a couple of weeks or a month or so focused on or six weeks focused on racing a mile and breaking five in the mile and doing that was really, really hard and extremely painful. And we produced a video from it titled, Why Do We Do Hard Things? with feedback from Jenny Simpson and Sarah Vaughn and a woman named Flannery Davis-Love who ran a 236.52 at the McCurdy Micromarathon. Um, and just had like some really cool feedback from people about like, this sport is silly if you think about it, right? Like we do this brutally hard thing. Nobody's making us do it. You're not running professionally. I'm not running professionally. Yet we choose to suffer. So Ari, why do you choose to suffer? I mean, why I got into running, um, I was a basketball player all of my life, all through college as an All-American. Um, but when I was young, my dad always thought I was going to be a runner. Like he would have me go outside of our house and like time me going to the stop sign and was convinced I was going to be this like track star. And I took like an entirely different turn. I did not like running. Um, I didn't want any part of it. And my dad died my senior year of college. And when I didn't become a professional basketball player, I was like, you know, a little lost. Like, you know, that was my identity my whole life. That's what I thought I was going to be. Um, and I went to grad school and I was like, what can I do now? And I thought, my dad always thought I was going to be a runner. Like, let's try that. Even though I could not stand running. And so that's why I initially started running. And I think why I continue to do it is for a lot of reasons. Um, I think in the running community, it's getting better. But like seeing more diverse people and women and women of color, I think is an amazing thing. And I want to help grow that. I have three young nieces that I'm like so excited to see me run at the trials. And I run for them. Um, And I run for myself too. I struggle with like mental health and depression and anxiety and things like that. And running helps me with that. And that's why I go out and do it every day. And, and I want to see how, how good I can be. Like, can I achieve my like ultimate dreams in running? I haven't done it yet. The trials was one of them, but I have a lot of other things that I want to do in running and not just times up on the clock, but like for the community as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons I think why I run, but those are most of them. <laughs> You mentioned one of my favorite words there, community. Um, what does is, what is community mean to you? I think it, it, for me, it means like inclusion, inviting everybody and anybody to like, for one common goal to like, just help each other um, and sort of build each other up. Especially like in the running community, I think over the past several years, it's gotten much better than I think probably 10 years ago when I started running. It looked way different. Um, so I'm super stoked to see the evolution of it. And I want to help grow that in any way that I can. And I know that the list is like a uh, more popular now, which I like love and appreciate and sort of like growing that and seeing more women up on that list, I think would be really exciting. Yeah, I think the the conversation around inclusion and seeing people like 
you on the start line, and I mean that like anyone, not mm-hmm. specifically um, you, is a, a conversation that, I mean, as a white male, I've, I see myself on the start line, of course, and I have a lot of conversations with friends who are Asian or Black or Indian, mm-hmm. and a conversation I had with my friend David Lamb comes to mind. We talked about his experience running Western States and the reason that he's on the start line, the reason that he likes to go be visible and vocal at trail races. Um, it's so powerful. And I'm proud to use this platform to to bring those conversations to life. And and for you, I'm curious, what is it, what is it like to be on the start line for your nieces, for um, people who who might be looking up to you, and then they say, "Well, if she can do it, I can do it." Uh, mm-hmm. What it, what is that like? What is it? Does it feel like you're carrying a torch and and <laughs> representing, or is it um, is it more like you're proud and you couldn't imagine doing anything else? Because because the reason I ask is some people are like, "No, I don't. I I don't want to represent mm-hmm. my whole community. It's not my torch to bear." Mm-hmm. And others are proud to do it and vocal while doing it. Yeah, I think it I think I carry like a piece of a torch. Um I think there's a lot of women that carrying a, the torch also, right? Like if we're talking about um African American women, um there's a lot of like amazing runners that are doing amazing things. So I think I help and I'm like proud to help carry that and like be a part of it. Um, I think for my nieces, it's, it's great for them to see someone who looks like them and like any other like adult or like young child too. That's like, you know, I want to get into the marathon one day and like, she's doing it. And I also did it in a different way. Like I wasn't a runner my whole life, which is pretty unique. Um, so you don't also like, there's also that aspect to you. Like you don't have to be a runner all your life to sort of have big goals and dreams and running and things like that. Um, so yeah, I like, I'm stoked to be a part of it and help carry and be a voice and represent my community and the different communities that I'm a part of. If you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today, can you do me a favor? Can you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? It helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too. Thanks so much. We are proud to be sponsored by a local Boulder-based sports nutrition company that we all know and love, Scratch Labs. As you may know, last year I went to their facility here in Boulder and got a sweat test done. They were able to tell me how much salt I'm losing during a workout and recommend sports nutrition from there. Long story short, I'm a salty sweater and need to replenish perhaps more than the average person. But that's not all. About a year ago, I started working with sports dietitian Kylie Van Horn. Kylie is the owner of Fly Nutrition and a coach within Microcosm. I was having a lot of GI issues pre-run and during the run, so David, my coach, suggested I work on nutrition with Kylie. I switched my nutrition pre-run to purely liquid fueling, and while that didn't solve 100% of what I'd been dealing with, it sure has helped. Fast forward a year and more, and Scratch's products have helped kept me fueled and energized through plenty of strong workouts and long runs, as well as some big adventure days in the mountains. Their super high carb mix is exactly that. It's full of what you need and goes down super smooth. When you give your body what it needs, you'll truly enjoy it for the long run. You can grab energy bars, chews, hydration mix, recovery drink mix, and super high carb drink mixes for your big days from scratch to fuel your training and upcoming adventures. I use the lemon lime super high carb mix every single day. I use a half serving within an hour of all morning runs, and it's my main fuel source for road long runs. For trail adventures, I use a couple servings in my bottles and supplement that with the chews or other fun trail snacks. 
You can use the code FTLR20 for 20% off your order at the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Scratch for supporting the show. This podcast episode is supported by Wazelle, one of my favorite brands in the running space. If you somehow haven't heard of Wazelle, they're a running apparel company that's run by women for women. And you might be thinking, John, why are you representing a women's running brand? Because here at the podcast, we only work with brands that we can stand behind and we can fully stand behind Wazelle's mission and vision. Their goals are filled with integrity, design great product, build sisterhood, and improve the sport. And this year, they're taking these goals a step further with the Year of the Underbird program. They've selected a small group of marathoners who have secured Olympic trials qualifying times, women who have previously been overlooked or underappreciated, and sponsored them to get to the trials with stipends, gear, storytelling, community involvement, and potentially a bonus. Over the next few months, they'll be supporting a series over here at the podcast, helping to amplify and share the stories of these resilient athletes, all leading up to Olympic marathon trials in Orlando. Wazelle is striving to help develop athletes at all stages of running. They also happen to have some of the best running apparel for women out there. So if you want to support Wazelle in their mission to help people feel like they belong here, you can check out more about the Year of the Underbird campaign at the link in our show notes. And if you're in the market for some great running gear, head on over to their website and use the code FTLR10 for 10% off your first order. Let's help improve our running community together. We're all constantly looking for ways to improve our performances. One thing we truly love about this community is our determination to always be getting better and go hard at whatever goals we may have. Our partners over at 2Before help us continue to grow and expand our athletic capabilities through their New Zealand Black Current Berries. But John, how can berries from New Zealand help me improve my performance? I'm glad you asked, podcast listener. The thing that got me hooked was a meta-analysis I read of 16 studies on New Zealand blackcurrants that found a strong performance benefit with no negatives. Combining the blackcurrant powder with four to eight ounces of water or whatever liquid you prefer helps you increase your blood flow, make it more efficient for your body to pump that good oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood into your muscles, improving your endurance. It also helps to reduce muscle soreness and helps manage inflammation. I've also been using it to help keep my immune system riding high with all the trails, roads, and planes that I'm on. Go on over to twobefore.com to grab some for yourself with the code FTLR to save 30% on 20, 10, and multi-serve packs. Thanks again to the team over at Two Before for supporting this community. That's Two Before, number two before.com. And so much so that Wazelle has selected you to be a part of the Underbird program, um, which yeah. again is is supporting this uh, series of the podcast. Um, we had Molly Bookmeyer on in October and Brianna Bomer will be on next in December. Um, so what, is it, what does it feel like to have the weight of a brand behind you and helping to make some of the stuff, the ancillary stuff possible and show you that it is worth investing in you and your dreams? I mean, it's it's really exciting. I think Wazelle is an amazing brand for a lot of different reasons. Um, I can I'm pretty particular about like who I want to partner with and work with, um, but I see myself represented in them, and I see myself in the things that they do and things that they value. Um, and so, for them to choose me to be a part of it is is so exciting. Uh, like I remember, like the day that I got the email from Justine, I was in Costco with my fiance and like freaking out. Um, cause I didn't like, I really didn't know, like if I was like, I don't know, I'm sure like there's a lot of women that are going to apply, like, you know, maybe I'll get it. Maybe I won't. Um, and so I was like really excited to be a part of it. And like, now we've been in it for a few months and sort of getting to know everyone at Wazelle and 
be a part of some of their campaigns and get going up to Seattle and really meeting the team and having them like really welcome us has been really amazing. So what is it like behind the scenes with a team like that? Um, I mean, we've had like calls with like the Underbirds. So I've met um, all of them. Um, I've run with Teresa Haley, who's a Wazell athlete. And then my fiance and I went up to Seattle and did a photo shoot for Wazell for their holiday day campaign. So we got to meet a lot of people that work there. And it was just like really nice to spend a day with them and hang out and get to chat. Um, and yeah, it's super like supportive. Fans of Wazell have been amazingly supportive. The other Underbirds have been supportive. And then just everybody at Wazell sort of like checking in on us, seeing how we're doing. Um, I'll probably run, train a lot with Teresa um, during this like build up to the trials. And she lives in Portland also. Um, so that's exciting. Um, it's really, it's been really great for sure. You're going to get out to Boulder and do a run with the, the two or three athletes that are out here? I would. I mean, I would love, I've been to Boulder and I really liked it. So I'm always down. Yeah. <laughs> altitude, I, I haven't run at altitude for an extensive period of time, but yep. <laughs> it'd be cool. Um, so you said something while you were talking about choosing to apply and you basically said, you know, bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you threw your name into the, your hat and you threw your name into the hat <laughs> and you were picked. So um, what was that like? And I know you mentioned you were in Costco and excited what a wonderful <laughs> place Costco is to begin with. Yeah. Hopefully it was a day full of samples so you could celebrate with yeah. uh, chips and all sorts of good stuff. But um, yeah. talk to me about the betting on yourself part because it's so easy mm-hmm. to count yourself out before before you know that something is or isn't possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the post, I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's super cool. It's like been a dream of mine to be supported by a brand. I love Wazelle. I love what they stand for. And obviously I love their clothes. But, you know, I was kind of like, why not me? Um, why not just like see the worst that can happen is like, a uh, no. And I continue on like with sort of like my life kind of thing. But also like, why not just put my name in the hat and see what happens? Like, I could, I could be chosen. Um, and like, I was super honest in filling out the questionnaire and sort of, yeah, I just like waited. I was like, kind of, why not me? So we'll like, why not see? <laughs> so how do you take that and apply that to running or apply that lesson to life? I think with running, it's a lot to do with like the times that I've run. Um, especially like specifically when this OTQ time period dropped to 237. I was a 244 marathoner and I ran that virtually at the time. So like if we're going by like actual times, I was a 252 marathoner. Um, but it's like, why not try? Like if you don't try, you're gonna you can live the rest of your life just wondering, what if I had done that? Or like, you know, live with regret of like at least not putting like giving it your all. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I would be running a two, my PR would be 235, I'd be like, you're probably out of your mind, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) So you're a coach as well. How does your experience as a runner who went from roughly four hours to you're lining up among some of the best athletes in the country in Mm -hmm. February, how do you take that and apply that to the athletes you're working with? I think it it makes me understanding a little bit more of like the range of athletes that I coach and and their goals. You know, I get a lot of athletes that are like, I have this really big goal. I don't know if I can achieve it. And it's like, I can sort of come to them as like, 
my experience of like, well, let's break it down into seasons and like really sort of like take it one season at a time to reach this goal. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Um, you know, I have like some that have never run a marathon and they're going to be running their first marathon in the spring and they can't fathom what that, how that's going to feel. And it's like, we're going to break it down and you will be ready. Um, and I have some that want to break three hours in the marathon and it's like, great. I've been there too. Like we're going to run a lot of miles at 652 pace. And you are going to know what that pace feels like. Um, and so, yeah, I can come to them on a different level of understanding, which I like. I don't seem, I hope I don't seem like out of the realm of like, some people find that like some, if once you've raced like a marathon and run a time, you're kind of like, nobody can really like talk to you or like you can't relate to people. Um, but I think I can relate to them on a, on a deeper level, which is nice. Yeah, I think it's all about the process, right? Once you understand the process of of improvement or dedication to a craft, it's universally applied, right? So I live here in Boulder. I'm surrounded by people who are exceptional athletes. I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by people who are incredibly gifted genetically and apply consistency on top of that. And no matter if you're running, like I run with people who are 211 marathoners, 208 mm-hmm. marathoners, and people who are four or five plus hour marathoners. And what was interesting at the high end is that like me with my 259, like that effort and that process is relatable on, Mm -hmm. you know, either way you go. And Mm -hmm. it was like a really nice realization when like I have a handful of friends that are pro athletes and like they understand my ability and process and, and this and that. And I think what's lost in a lot of the conversation in the running space is that like the seven hour marathoners and the two hour marathoners like have a very similar experience in mm. like all it takes is consistency one way or another and everyone's showing up and in a sport of running, like the arena is comparable. Like you're running on the mm-hmm. roads or you're running on the trails, but like everyone experiences the the same path. The journey is entirely different, but mm. like, it's not like, correct me if I'm wrong, basketball or baseball or something like where you master a craft and a, a fine skill versus just applying principles of running economy yeah. and <laughs> progress over time. Like I sucked yeah. at baseball and hockey growing up, <laughs> but I've turned into like a halfway decent runner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a cool, I think it's such a cool process. Yeah. I think also like we're all running the same race. If, if a 211 person signs up for Chicago and a five hour runner runs, uh, signs up for Chicago, they're running the same race on the same day in the same conditions, um, which is like very unique to running. And I think is like amazing. Um, but yeah, it's like hard work, consistency. Those things will pay dividends in running. Um, basketball, yeah, is a little, is particularly unique <laughs> in your like skill set and position and all sorts right. of other things. Um, but yeah, running is, is definitely like consistency. And like building over time and, and also finding what works for you too. Everybody's different. There's no right or wrong way to do it that works for everybody. So I, I love that about running too. Everybody's different in how they can do it and what works for them. Totally. And it's like finding that. And it's like an ever-evolving process as well. And mm-hmm. that like, if I looked at my running five years ago, it's totally different. My mindset is totally different. I've done this podcast 300 times and I've learned from 300 people like you that have have understood or have learned a thing or two as well. Um, one, one of the themes that continues to come up related to running and 
why people do it. And a critical component is the mental health aspect. Um, I've been a longtime advocate of therapy and, and talking about mental health, particularly for men. And at the same time, believe that running is not therapy, it's therapeutic. Um, and I'm curious your relationship with running and mental health, particularly around uh, your father and your your life experiences in that arena um, and how running intersects with, with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad committed suicide my senior year of college and I would start running my first year of grad school. Um, and up until I would say like my late 20s, I didn't really struggle with like depression and anxiety. So that hadn't really come up for me like a ton. Um, so I started running and that, those sorts of things. And as I've gotten older and sort of like more life things have happened. Um, and I, you know, 2020 was like a hard year for me. I dealt with like a lot of depression and suicidal thoughts. And um, my biggest running injury also coincided with that. Um, so yeah, it's been, running has been extremely helpful in sort of like letting me get out and sort of just be free of like my phone and like, the thought, like I can just sort of be in my thoughts, not too much in my thoughts, but a a healthy amount. Um, Just for 75 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, But yeah, I think it it really helps me sort of like also ease some of the like anxiousness that I like feel sometimes, but that's not to say that I also like, I've had panic attacks during races. I've had panic attacks during runs. Um, So it does sort of like sometimes they like crash and don't always flow together. But for the most part, um, yeah, it's, it really helps me and sort of alleviates some of that depression and anxiety that I feel. And I'm glad that I found it because I don't know if I, if I didn't run, I'm not entirely sure what I would do other than like, yeah, therapy and things like that um, that I've done in the past. But yeah, it's an, it's an interesting relationship how the two work, um, especially with like surrounding injuries and things like that. They can sort of like battle each other. Um, but for the most part, it's an escape for me. Um, and so, and for my mind kind of from like the things that I have going on in my like everyday life outside of running. So when you're in a harder period of life from a mental health standpoint, how do you maintain that consistency or do you maintain that consistency? Because I'm there right now. And for me, um, five miles feels like a marathon at times. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've run in in peak training. Five miles is like a long double, and it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a very long run. But right now, it feels like uh, like a marathon. Um, so, but at the same time, when I finish the run, I feel so good. Mm-hmm. So, how this is, you know a question that I'm struggling to find the answer to right now, but also realizing that you've probably gone through similar experiences, and I'm curious uh, how how do you keep showing up for yourself? in those hard times? Yeah. I mean, I would say that like very specifically one period was like my period in my personal life of like from, for my block of CIM was pretty tough. I was going through like a lot of stuff and and changes and, um, it was really like, this was the thing that I could sort of like count on every day of like, I can get outside and like, I can run 10 miles. I can go and do this workout. And I sort of like just channeled a lot of my like energy and focus into that. Cause that was like the time for like me and like my goal and sort of what I could, I could really control that. 
Whereas like, I think I, I, at that time in my life, I felt like I couldn't control like a lot of other things that were going on. Um, so it really allowed me to sort of like zero in and focus and like the paces on paper seemed like a little bit scary. And like, I didn't know if I could do it, but like, I can, I can get out the door and I can put my shoes on and try. Um, and like, that's like as much as I could get out of myself that day. Yeah. Um, in 2020, I was like injured. So it took that away. And I struggled with that on top of like the stuff with COVID and I would had moved. And, um, so that was like a little bit different, but yeah, typically I just like, I like hyper-focus on what the goal is. And at the time it was qualifying for the trials. And so I really just like zeroed in on that and knew like, I can count on myself today to run 10 miles or five miles or whatever it is. And if I can do that and do that for myself, that's like a win. And I can move through like the rest of my day um, accordingly. Yeah. I like that. It's controlling the controllables, which in an uncontrollable situation uh, definitely brings some level of comfort for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) Uh, Switching gears. What are you most excited about over the next how many weeks is it? Uh, 11, I think. <laughs> yeah, but who's counting? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> what are you most excited about over the next 11 weeks? Um, I'm excited a lot about a lot of things. I, I think I struggled this past summer with like consistency and um, sort of like just my like drive. And I just really struggled to sort of like get out the door much like I think you are probably right now. Um, and so like as the trials got closer, it's like, oh, I really need to focus in on this. So I'm excited to have like more of a focus going into the trials, running with like more running with people more. Um, Teresa Haley, I'll run with. Um, I have a new coach. So working with him is really exciting and um, getting to try some like different things that I've never done in training excites me. And yeah, I mean, I also just want to have a lot of fun over the next 11 weeks with running. Um, I think this year I took it like not too seriously, but like maybe pushed over the edge in the spring. And so I took the the fall off from a marathon. Um, So yeah, sort of just having fun and enjoying it for the next 11 weeks. So like the biggest thing that I've done yet and to try and have fun in Orlando and chase big goals, but also enjoy it. So it's one o'clock Eastern time in Orlando on the (laughs) Saturday of the race. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you really proud of? Gosh, I hope that I ran 232. <laughs> I would be done by then. Yeah. One o'clock is three hours. So yeah. <laughs> but I think like, aside from that, um, you know, like my family's coming out, my fiance's coming out. I'll be extremely proud to like have finished a marathon and like have a smile on my face. In the spring, I did not. Um, and it's been a long time since my family's been able to see me run a marathon my fiance's only seen me one that didn't go well. <laughs> um, so I would be happy to like be able to celebrate with them and have them around to celebrate the day. Will they be spread out over the course? Um, we haven't talked like strategy. I'm sure my fiance will be like in different places on the course. Um, my mom and my stepdad, they probably will be at the finish line, but with the course looping, maybe they'll try and catch me at different spots, but they'll definitely all be at the finish line. My fiance is now like a pro in finding the different parts of the marathon that are easy to spectate. So. <laughs> by bike or by foot? Foot. She did nice. it by foot. Nice. <laughs> even more even more impressive. Um, yeah, the loop courses make that much, uh, much easier for sure. Yeah. Um, I tried to catch my girlfriend at... Uh, Boston 
and missed her and then tried to catch her (laughs) and ran like an eight mile tempo along the course and didn't catch her. So it's, it's very nice when, um, when there are looped courses and if you miss somebody the first time, you can see them again. Um, any hot takes on the, on the time of start? Uh, I guess my hot take would be that I don't know that 10 a.m. is much better than noon, but like it is an a.m. instead of a p.m. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm also kind of like I was one of the athletes that signed the the letter to USATF, and like I would have hoped for like an 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. start if we were going to change the time. Um, I guess 10 a.m. is better than nothing. So now it's kind of like I don't think it'll change again. So it is what it is. I will do a sauna protocol in December or a heat protocol in December and then another one in January and just sort of try to be ready for the conditions. I think we may go out like a little bit early also and I'll start running at 10 (laughs) a.m. I mean, there are worse things. (laughs) Yeah. At least it's like a little bit of like sleeping in. I guess. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I've loved the Des Linden approach of like, just tell me when to show up and I'll buy a sauna and figure it out. I saw a post today that she was in a sauna on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to go to the sauna tonight. (laughs) Yeah, she got herself uh, one of those Sisu saunas and Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beautiful barrel sauna. And I mean, the the sauna has so many benefits. And so Mm -hmm. I'm staring at mine back here and it's about to be turned on. And speaking of mental health, like I, I used to sauna at a gym like 2017 through 2019. And then when the pandemic hit and gyms closed, that was like, I didn't realize how much of a, a like helper that, that you know, 20 minutes of bliss was where mm-hmm. you're forced to leave your phone. Otherwise it melts. Yeah. That's off. <laughs> yeah. You're like forced to be alone with your thoughts or mm-hmm. the weirdo sitting next to you for, for 20 minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, even if you don't have one, I would invite people to try and find like a 20 minute something in your day to just like yeah. practice mindfulness. The thing, the thing that really did it for me, um, Amelia Boone was posting daily gratitudes on Instagram. So she was going through the practice of like outlining five or 10 things that she was grateful for on a daily basis, mm-hmm. particularly at that time. And so I would spend like five, 10 minutes going through and thinking about that in my head. And like beyond day three of doing that, it's like, you've already checked the box of like grateful for my family and my health (laughs) to be in this hot box kind of a thing. So you have to think about what you've done in the last 24 hours. And to me, that practice of like thinking about things you're grateful for that aren't the obvious and easy ones can be super powerful. So anyway, if you're listening, try that. For sure. Love it. Okay, the day after the trials, what are you doing? I think we're flying home. Um, I don't think I'm going to do like Disney World unless I did it like, I don't know. Unless you won? (laughs) Unless I I won. I'm like, I'm doing the whole like, I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm still waiting to see like how the rest of the spring shakes out. But for right now, I think we have two dogs that are not going to go with us to the trials. So got to get home to them. But got it. What kind of, what kind of dogs? (laughs) Uh, They're they're lots of opsus. They're like, 
They're like little white dogs. A dog sighting here in this podcast. I'll get her. (laughs) You can be on the podcast. This interlude is brought to you by dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Intermission. Oh, so cute. If you're (laughs) if you're listening to the podcast right now, I'm sorry because which is everyone actually. (laughs) Because that this these dogs are super cute. Incredible. (laughs) Wow, that is a face. That's what we say. <laughs> Amazing. It's hard to be unhappy when you're surrounded by dogs. Yes. They're like, they make everything so much better. And they're just like so funny too. And they totally. don't even know it. <laughs> Honestly, the coolest thing about dogs related to running um, is that they don't care at all what you mm-hmm. do. Like <laughs> if you go out and have a terrible run, they're just as stoked to see you when you come back in the door as if you had, you know, ran a world record. Yeah. They're like, what's your problem? Like, I've been waiting yeah. all day for you. <laughs> right. They only care if you've if you've sweat enough to to be licked. So oh, for sure. At least that's, that. that's my experience. Yeah. Um Ari, this has been a blast. Um, thanks so much for for sharing you and your story. Uh, thank you to Wazelle for making this episode possible. Uh, there's a sweet discount in the in the show notes. Um, and support them because they're supporting amazing things with uh, women's running and running in general. Um, so Ari, uh, for those who might not follow you, where can we find you on your corner of the internet? Um, yeah, my Instagram is Ari underscore Hendrix. I think the number one. Um, and then I'm also on Strava. So you can see like all of my training there. And yeah, it's been awesome to be on the podcast and get to talk to you. So thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. And likewise, we'll see you out there. Thanks. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo was created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 